0: Off the ball, with thanks to Ford, introducing the newest member of our team, the mighty new Ford C-Max. Ford, driving expectations even further. I'm just here, so I won't get found.
1: Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! It's gotta be... One of the dumbest calls offensively in Super
2: Bowl history. Are you kidding me? Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tied game. Big puppy. The grand slam. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, you're welcome along. It's U.S. Sports. Donnie's here. Hello, Donnie. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, baseball season. Coming to a close, into playoff time.
3: Yeah, you here That's in Ireland out. have
0: uh, you have a thing called
3: autumn. You here in Ireland. But in America, we have fall. Sure.
0: It's, a, it's the same
3: thing, in theory. Yeah, we know. We know. Okay, so... We're, we're not... I mean, just to remind you, we are aware of American culture. You, I, Yeah, but I mean, I'm here as the representative of American culture, and mm-hmm. I cannot speak about the sports... Uh, of our time, without talking about the seasons, and sure. I just want to be sure we're all on the same page with the right nomenclature and verbiage and all these kind of things. Okay, I so, just want
0: to establish these facts. So, for, for for you, does fall mean baseball playoff season? Fall means
3: well. They don't. They call the World Series the Fall Classic. So, if if one of our listeners were over in America and they were like, "Well, what's this? You know, I don't understand this. What, should it be the Autumn Classic or whatever?" Anyway, look, fall, October, which we are nearly at, means baseball. In baseball games, it means something. We're finally there. It's a long haul, April. Remember when we interviewed that guy, Ron Rappaport, about the Chicago Cubs and how... They play every
0: day. Yeah. I mean, that was back in April, and yeah. they've made the playoffs. Anyway. Oh, yeah. We should talk to Ron again. We can talk to him next week. Okay. So the 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 season finished with a good old scrap well, in Washington. exactly. Washington Nationals are one of the teams that
3: haven't, Made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They were picked by many uh, insiders to win the World Series. Disaster of a season that culminated on Sunday afternoon, when um, Jonathan Papelbon, who's a sort of like, he's a sort of pitcher for sale. I guess he would have been acquired late in the year by the Nationals to uh, to sort of. He's a big money guy. Red Sox, a legend, sort of been drifting around. Mm-hmm. Hothead, anger, mm-hmm. angry guy. Mm-hmm. He gets he he gets in a row with Bryce Harper. The, the Nationals player and arguably the best player in baseball. It's if it, you can look it up on YouTube, it's one of the all-time great like teammates fighting clips. Oh yeah, Harper f- hits a sort of a routine fly ball late in the game. Doesn't run it out or anything. You know, in baseball, you got to run every play out, even if it's even if the end is a foregone conclusion. Yeah, Papelbon doesn't like it. He starts jawing with Harper as he as he walks back to the. Uh, when you say jawing, you just mean? Yeah, um, shouting at him, shouting, roaring, yeah, okay. having words, yeah, encouraging him with. Swear language to try harder. Yeah, Harper, the big shot, doesn't doesn't take it very well. He jaws back. Papelbon, in front of national TV, snaps, mm. lunges at him, grabs his neck, and you know everybody. All of a
0: sudden, there's a big fracas. It was it, it's incredible. Right? Okay. Did someone win the fight, or were they dragged apart?
3: Uh, Papelbon is is the loser. He. Won't play again for the Nationals this season. He's been especially suspended for the rest of the year, mm. and he's getting 11 million dollars to play for them next year. It's hard to see how he can come back to the team after you know basically putting his hands around the neck of their Star most. Guy. Yeah, you just can't do that. Yeah. Now, I like Papelbon; he's a classic guy, but uh, people have people haven't taken it well, and it's just a, it's a it just shows you. You know, we talk about the winners a lot, but for the losers, you know, you spend whatever, eight months on the road and it all it all kind of falls apart for you. Yeah.
0: So You know, tensions can can get high. Well, it's an unbelievably grueling season. Like, they literally are playing every day. They're spending months and months away yeah. from home. I can see how they come to just hate each other after a while.
3: Totally. Here's um, actually Papelbon himself talking about uh, the grind and how that might have um, okay. got into his own thinking that when he snapped.
1: You know, first of all, I say, you know, I'm, I'm in the wrong there. You know, I've got to lead that up um, to our manager and, you um, You know, there's just – there's a lot of uh, competition and there's a lot of – it's a long season, it's a grind, and, you know, um, uh, I think we're going to handle that in-house and stuff like that, but I think, you know, um, I've talked to Bryce and um, told him how we feel, and we're we're on the same page now, which is good, and squash this and head to tomorrow's game, and, um, you know, it's – I grew up with brothers. He grew up with brothers. I, I view him as a brother of mine, and um, you know, sometimes uh, in this game, is there's a lot of testosterone. There's a lot of uh, intensity that spills over, and I think that happened today. And, and um, you know, for me, I, I can't, I can't allow that to happen in the middle of the game. Um, you can handle that after the games, or allow the manager to handle that. So, um, you know, in that, in that light of it, I'm wrong. He sure is. That's Jonathan
0: Papelbon. So that's um, that's what's going on in baseball. Currently, and we do want to flag Donny a documentary that you've seen. ESPN made a short documentary, essentially to examine the extent of cocaine use in Major League Baseball in the 1980s. It's called the Pittsburgh Drug Trials. This is kind of a famous scandal. So we have Aaron Skirball on the line. He's written a book on the topic called The Pittsburgh Cocaine Seven. Uh, Aaron, thanks for talking to us. I mean, if someone said to me, uh, "drugs in baseball," I'm talking. I'm thinking instantly of the steroids in the '90s, but uh, in the '80s, it was cocaine. That was what was going on in a, in a big way, it seems.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, in 1985, they had what's known as the big Pittsburgh drug drug trials, and these these were the biggest uh, trial in uh, Major League Baseball history in. You know, this is a day before ESPN, before you had 24-hour uh, news or talk radio. So all these major league players, all-stars, started coming to Pittsburgh to uh, testify about against their drug dealers, and I don't think anyone imagined how open they, would, they were going to be um, when talking about the, the cocaine abuse in baseball. Uh, Keith Hernandez, who was an all-star league MVP, he testified that you know, more than 40% of all players were used, and he called it baseball's uh, love affair year um, and uh, romance with cocaine. And they just... Uh, <clears throat> but it was never covered, you know, outside of Pittsburgh. You had the New York Times covering it, but people in, you know, Chicago or Texas, they they didn't know anything about this. didn't know what's going on. So whenever the steroid scandal came out, you know, <clears throat> it was like, didn't anybody remember the cocaine years? And so that's why I looked to investigate with the book.
0: And so... Talk about Pittsburgh specifically then and the Cocaine 7. Who were the Pittsburgh Cocaine 7?
2: The 7 were um, seven local drug dealers um, that players, uh, the Pirates, um, and other ma- major league teams when they came to Pittsburgh, they would uh, have these guys get them cocaine. But in a lot of cases, they were, it was a bartender who kind of pointed them in the right direction, and other guys who, you know, when the local hero came up and said, hey, can you hook me up? They were, like, more than happy to, to do it. So when news of this all came out, um, the, the the players getting off scot-free kind of created the rich, rich versus poor aspect of it and how every player that, you know, there were 13 players, I believe, that came to Pittsburgh to testify the grand jury, and each one of them were given immunity. But, uh, you know, the local uh, heating man ended up being arrested and so there were seven fans that basically took the fall for uh dealing the major league baseball and then once it all came out baseball acted like they were clean um you know the commissioner came out and said you know we're going to be the cleanest sport in uh in the nation and obviously you know with steroids that proved that they kind of just swept it under the rug uh,
3: Aaron, is it true that the pittsburgh pirates mascot the pittsburgh parrot was implicated in some of these drug uh deals
2: yeah yeah and that's it. You, you can see that in the uh the video of espn but it, it's a you know interesting case you had the pirate parrot is known he's a mascot and um uh, he started uh bringing cocaine with him to work um when he came to the ballpark and hooking up players and the players were only too happy to have someone deliver it to them, but uh in the book, I get into, the, the you know, kind of the personal histories, and the, it was interesting that the pilot parrot, the mascot, ended up wearing a wire um, for the FBI against his best friend. And kind of, um, he was, you know, loved loved the city of Pittsburgh, and then he kind of became ostracized as a, you know, like kind of a stool pigeon and uh, um, had to leave town when it came out that he wore a wire against his best friend.
0: So uh, none of the players really are... are- are prosecuted how long do the other seven the pittsburgh seven do they go to jail for how long
2: yeah they all went um you know there's a lot of plea bargains that took place um i think the uh, the biggest uh sentence was around 12 years I and mean, you nice. know once you know was time served they came they ended up serving you know four or five years but um yeah and I, I mean when talking to these dealers when i was doing the research you know, a lot of them you know they didn't have a problem. They understood what they uh, were doing was wrong. They you know they were breaking the law, but they didn't see a, a big difference with what the uh, players, the stars were doing. You know like I, you know like I said, it would amount to one guy going to pick up the bag of cocaine for the rest of them. So gist of the how you know right down the line each player got to walk and slap uh, on the wrist and had some suspensions, but ultimately they did community service instead of being suspended. So no one missed any time and in looking back, you know that you know there was players like Rod Scurry who was a, a pitcher for the uh, Pirates and then the Yankees, and he ended up uh, dying years later because he you know he he, he had a drug problem that never really got addressed just kind of a pampered athlete you know never has to pay for his crimes so he, he really had to live with that problem for years and so he ultimately died of it
3: Aaron did fans and especially journalists um before these trials did they have any idea that cocaine was so rampant in baseball i mean You know, when you hear of Keith Hernandez talking about, you know, that year, 1980, and all the cocaine that he was on, and he said he can barely even remember the year, I mean, it seems like, it seems like, um, it seems like it would be quite obvious that players were sort of kind of out of their heads during the season. I mean, I saw Oil Can Boy talk about saying he was on cocaine for two-thirds of of all of his starts, or was somehow in the system. I mean, this must have had some effect on the the actual product of the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like Doc Ellis, for instance, you know, said there's years where he doesn't remember, you know, playing straight, but he had a term for it because um, there's amphetamine used, uh, they called greenies, which were, uh in, you know, kind of in bowls in their locker rooms, and they used to call it playing naked if you, you went out on the field and didn't have any drugs in it. It was so, you know, kind of rare that you, you, and you spoke of it earlier with the grind of 162 keys and road trips and stuff, so, you know, in the, uh, late 70s, early 80s, cocaine kind of came on society, and, um, you know, it was, at the time, looked at as a benign drug. The Time magazine had it on its cover, you know, kind of the the miracle drug, the drug with no downside. So, at the time, you know, it kind of came into society through the doctors, the lawyers were using it, the upper echelon, and then it uh, kind of trickled down to society, you know, uh, to the regular, regular guys, but at the time you know, no one really had an idea of how big the problem was. So in 1985, when these trials took place, it kind of just, you know, blew the, you know, the journalists had no, you know, idea the, the length of the problem and how how these players were just running around crazy on the field. I, I, I mentioned in the documentary how Tim Raines, a, a, a ball player, used to slide head first because he didn't want to uh, slide on, on his backside because he had a Coke foul in his back pocket. He didn't want to. It was taking over how they thought of the game, you know, how they were playing.
0: Listen, Aaron, thanks a million for joining us. All right, thank you. Thanks. Aaron Skirbel, their author of The Pittsburgh Cocaine 7. The dealers, not the uh, players. I guess dealing is a more serious crime than possession.
3: I suppose so. But I mean, in baseballs, for baseball side, they knew that drug use was rampant in the sport and they didn't do anything about it. They couldn't, they could have brought in mandatory testing or even random drug testing. They chose not to. Yeah. And if they had done so and taken action, mm-hmm. all of the steroid scandal that basically helped level, put, bring the sports to its knees. Yeah. Might not have happened.
0: Might not have happened. Uh, Donny, why in American sports is the title World Champions used for the champions of your sports? They don't play any World Series, says Tommy. Well, Tommy, it's, it's an excellent point. Why are Kilkenny not world hurling champions?
3: Well, they could call themselves world, world hurling champions and nobody would...
0: We're not that conceited over here.
3: Well, but is Kilkenny not the world champion of hurling?
0: Yeah, but, you know, we're like... We're, we're realists as well. They're champions of Ireland. They didn't beat anyone in China. But
3: do they need... like? Why would they waste their time trying to play the Chinese 15?
0: Well, they wouldn't, but... So they're the world champions. They I would not, not begrudge though. them. They are.
3: <laughs> no. They are. Are they not the best hurling team in, in the world? They are. Okay. But I
0: feel like you need Case to. <laughs> <Okay>. Time's <laughs> against us. Henry Shefflin's on the way next. I should mention the um, scores. 19 minutes gone or so in the Champions League games. Arsenal and Olympiakis nil all. Uh, Borisov 2 nil up on Roma. Barcelona nil, Leverkusen nil. Bayern Munich are 1 nil up on uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Porto and Chelsea are nil all in Porto. Leon nil, Valencia nil. And uh, Zenit and Ghent are nil all. So that's the latest in the Champions League games. We've got Henry Sheffield's studio interview next. Off the ball. Getting
1: inside the game.
0: Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford.
1: Go further.